0: Welcome back to the Sip and Feast podcast. Today, episode number 27 is all about Christmas cookies. Right, Tara? What's the exact title? We We always try to develop a title and work backwards so it's clickable and you will get enraged. No, not really, but we do want it to be clickable, so we were saying we really can't just talk about, hey, best Christmas cookies. Let's also discuss some of the ones that are kind of trash, right, Tara?
1: Yep, that's right. I have a few on my list that I'm not a fan of.
0: And I gather you're probably interested, probably more so in the ones that we think aren't so good versus the ones we love. That's just human nature, right? That's just how it is. Is Jim going to trash one of my favorite cookies? Is Tara going to say something that will make me want to jump through the screen and grab her. (laughs) You
1: sound like you're saying that from experience.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. We will get into that in one minute, Tara. I just want to say, so we always put this up on Mondays, and we uh, have a bunch of comments in from the previous episode. So this one, Tara, is the most recent comment. I just had to read it. Mm -hmm. So this is from... Mary Jean Adam, 420. She said, what brought you to live in Minnesota? How long did you live there? Did you find the food very different from your background? Tara, why don't you answer those?
1: What brought us to move to Minnesota? That was my job. At the time, I was working for Royal Bank of Canada, their brokerage arm uh, in New York City. They were going to close that part of the office in order to save money. Um, and they wanted to relocate some of the folks that were responsible for that business line out to their headquarters in Minneapolis. And I, along with another person, were offered the opportunity to to move and relocate. And our relocation expenses were repaid for by RBC. They They actually kind of made it um so attractive that it was a hard offer to turn down. So we moved there at the time. The kids were still little. James had not yet started pre-K. Sammy was about to enter second grade. So we figured this is a good time. Let's let's try it. And when we moved there, we moved with the intent to stay there. Right? We didn't we didn't move there and think, oh yeah, in three years time we're gonna move back to New York. No. We thought we were escaping the <laughs> the tax nightmare that that living on Long Island is. and
0: That's what we did. We did not have it. In, we weren't like, we're moving here for a year or two. Tara's going to get promoted and then we're going to move back. And no, we would never do that to our kids. We had every intent to stay there for good. It was a big mistake looking back on it now, but you can't looking at things through that lens is never the best way to do it because at the time it felt like a great decision. I wasn't the super popular YouTuber that you now know me as. I was a nobody and I had no income coming in from any of this that I do now. And this is how you know me. This is, you probably think this is what I've always been doing. That just wasn't the case. So For a period of time, when I was trying to find myself with a new career, because I was involved in the stock market, trading uh, in stocks and futures for 15 years, and I know I've said this in the past, I stopped. Tara then was kind of like picking up the slack for us, so it made sense for us to move there because she might have got a really good promotion. Anyway, the other part of that question was how long we stayed. It was for three years. And the last part of that question was the food tower. Mm-hmm. How how was the food?
1: Yeah, the food was very different. Um, there were certainly, you know, good restaurants that we that we really loved. Um our favorite restaurant was actually an Indian restaurant that was about five minutes from us called Bukhara. It was in uh Wayzata. And so, you know, that aside, I mean, if you're going to talk about it, if you're going to ask about Italian food, I mean, the Italian food there was was not at all like what we know here, especially the pizza. Midwestern pizza is more more like a cracker crust, kind of cut into squares or rectangles. There's really no comparison, I think.
0: I'm going to, and hopefully not offend too many people by saying this, the food is way better here in Long Island. But that's, you're biased. I'm biased. There, there's more people here. That's the problem. And there's more immigrants here than any other state. So, and I know now it's California, you know, and Texas, obviously, but it's, it. there's more of a history of immigrants here. So the food has dispersed in a better way. It went to, you know, we live 60 miles out from the city, but it doesn't matter you know you can be the, in the opposite directions of of the city and you will be able to find really good food. This was not the case in Minnesota. We lived 9 miles from Minneapolis and there were not many restaurants in my opinion worth going to. That being said, there was this one place and I almost I was going to show you but I used this cup today this blue um pirani. The only reason I use this is because we're on here for an hour and My coffee would be cold then, but I actually have a mug from an Irish pub called- McGarry's in Maple Plain. They were amazing. They were amazing. Maple Plain, basically, this was probably 25 miles away from Minneapolis uh, in kind of just the middle of nowhere, essentially, uh, compared to where we lived. We lived in a place called Minnetonka that has a population of 60,000. Maple Plain probably has a population of 6,000 and i could be off a little bit by these numbers but it was very rural out there but this bar they actually had all a bar from ireland shipped to them on a mm-hmm. boat and put back into their bar and they the owner who you know we never met he you know he wanted good food there so it was a great pub it was it yeah. was a great experience and i had a mug from them that they uh sold to a friend of mine who came there too and I don't think they were supposed to, but they sold it to him. And it's a beautiful mug with their with their pub sign on it. Yeah, it's
1: it. almost like a coat of arms type coat of type arms, thing that they yeah. have. The food that I think I missed most living in Minnesota that we just couldn't compare to, to home was um, definitely pizza and 100% sushi. There was one sushi place near where we were, and we tried quite a few of them, that was good,
0: uh, but I, nothing like it is here. I don't want to come off as whatever, take it however I say say it, but the sushi place that was really good, they didn't even have all Japanese people working there. They had like a guy named like Thor Hendrickson, you know, who was making the, <laughs> making the sushi. I know obviously someone who looks like me or who looks like you can cut, make sushi too. I know that, but when I'm buying sushi, I kind of like to get it from a Japanese gentleman. Or there are also a lot of Chinese owners and restaurateurs running Japanese places. That's a little secret between between the two of us here. But yeah, no, it was like the War Iron, Iron Forge or something was his name, <laughs> like ser- serving, serving sushi. But the place was good. It was really good.
1: I think Minnesota had really good Indian food. Every time I, any place I've gotten Indian food, it was really good.
0: Yeah, because I believe they have a fairly large Indian population. See, this is the whole thing. Minnesota, the whole state, I believe, only has 40,000 Italian descent, you know, part Italian people. You know, it might be 50,000, but the New York metro probably has 5 million, 4 million, uh, maybe more. I mean, there's a lot of people that are part Italian here, you know? So it's just such a, there. that's why there are, Eighty thousand pizzerias in the New York metro area. Which, by the way, that's probably not an embellishment. That probably is the actual number. I saw. I read an article one time of how much pizza was sold here. It's astronomical, astronomical. I think more pizza sold in New York than all of Italy. Like crazy.
1: So, by the way, speaking of food in Minnesota, the best donut I've ever had in my life is is in Minnesota. What's the name of the place? Cardigan Donuts. Cardigan in where? Minneapolis. But their old-fashioned donut is the best that I've ever had. I have yet to have an old-fashioned donut that tastes as good as that one. And if I go back to Minnesota someday, you bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to get a
0: cardigan donut. Is that a Minnesota term, bottom dollar? (laughs) It was a quote from Annie. All right. Now, listen, we spent a lot of time on Minnesota here. I hope that answered your question, Mary Jean Adam 420. All right. Jim,
1: we're going to talk Christmas cookies. I thought it would be interesting for you to share because I don't think I've ever asked you this question before. Do you have a favorite Christmas cookie? And if so, what is it and why is it your favorite?
0: So this isn't a Christmas cookie, but this is now my new number one favorite cookie. It's recent, it's a recent addition. Okay. And it's been around staring me in the face my whole entire life. Do you know what it is? It's not a Christmas cookie? It's not a Christmas cookie. It's an- it's Oh! A, what? a black and white cookie. That's right. Now you might be thinking, Jim, black and white cookies suck. I used to think that too. No, they're so good. I think it was the ones I was having. But a good one? And I will tell you right off the bat, a, play, a place that makes a great one is Whole Foods.
1: They actually do have a good one. What do you What do you like better, the white or the black?
0: I think I like the black part, you know, which is chocolate. And is the white part, what is it's like a glaze kind yeah, of? Yeah, it's kind of got like a lemon flavor to it. I think the cookie itself has a lemon flavor it. Maybe it in. does.
1: Yeah. So you and I are, this is how I know that you and I are actually meant for each other. You take the chocolate side and I take the white side. Well, no, sometimes I'm, I go right I in like, the middle. I go right in no, the middle when I take, no, no, I take no, my no, first no. bite. Oh, no, no. Oh, worlds are colliding.
0: It's an amazing cookie, and I never used to think this, so. Yeah, I, I love black and white. What? Black and white cookies are a Jewish thing. They're a Jewish thing. So if you go to like, you know, if you go to Katz's Deli, you know, in the city, or you go to any Jewish deli, what was that one on Upper East Side, Sables? Yeah. They'll always have like black and white cookies there for you, which come from another bakery. They're probably not making them themselves, but, you know, I, 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 the first place I ever worked at was bakery slash deli, and they did they did a good black and white cookie, but I was never that enamored by it. And then I think it was actually when we were in Minnesota, Tara started buying a bunch of them from a mixture of Trader Joe's and the Whole Foods ones. And the Whole Foods ones are immensely better than the Trader Joe's. The Trader Joe's are not even... It's funny, you buy one pack of Trader Joe's black and white cookies, each cookie is about a one and a half inch diameter, maybe a two inch one pack of Trader Joe's cookies equals one black and white cookie from, from a, bakery. a bakery or yeah. a Jewish deli. Yeah. So you you know, you're getting you're kinda getting a little jipped there, you know?
1: So what is your favorite Christmas cookie? And I thought I thought I knew what you were gonna answer with.
0: What did you think I was going to answer with? It's a cookie your mom makes. Rugula? Yeah. Yeah, it's another Jewish cookie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it is. and that's that's an excellent one too. And I gotta tell you, that's another one that I didn't always like. And I have, there's a lot of ways to make it too. Mm-hmm. We don't have either of these recipes on our website. We are going to work on them, but I don't even think we're going to have those out by Christmas because we have other actually Italian Christmas cookies that we need to get on the list. Yeah. All right. So those are, those are two of my favorites. I also got to throw chocolate chip cookies in there. Mm. I mean, a good chocolate chip cookie is great. Now, a good chocolate chip cookie to me might not be a good chocolate chip cookie to you. You might be a crunchy person. You might be one who likes a really moist cookie. And I'm
1: a crunchy person.
0: I like the moist cookies. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm a cr- crunchy girl all the way.
0: Well, it's much easier to make crunchy cookies because if you don't protect your cookies after you make them, they will become crunchy in a matter of 24 I love to Tate's, 48 hours.
1: the Tate's cookies that are produced in Southampton. I think, Southampton, one of the Hamptons. But they sell Tate's across the country. But that's like my type of chocolate chocolate chip cookie. It's it's super crunchy. Some of my favorite Christmas cookies, well, some of them have like a little bit of story to it. them. So first of all, my my favorite Christmas cookie as of right now, and it does change, is a Regina cookie, also known as the Reginelle. Those are the cookies that are covered with sesame seeds, and they have a little bit of lemon zest in them. And we do have a recipe for that on the site. But the reason that I love those cookies, and I might get a little emotional here, is because they're my dad's favorite.
0: I forgot them. They are one of my favorites too. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I say I get emotional because my dad's going through some, my dad has, has cancer. Um, so I get a little emotional when I think about him, I just remember him when I was little going to the bakery and he would just like always eat those Regina cookies out of the bag. Um, so that's definitely up there with my favorite. I also love the pizza. So the pizza are more of a recent phenomenon for me because I didn't really have them growing up. You bought me a pizza iron, I don't know, like s- five years ago? Yeah. And since then, we've made them every year for Christmas.
0: Pizzelles are great. We use a Palmer brand, which is the brand to get if you want to do this. And, you know, you buy this once, you'll you'll be set. You're, you're probably only going to break it out during Christmas time. But in the end, you're probably only going to be making cookies, Christmas cookies, during Christmas time, too. So it is a worthwhile investment. Mm-hmm. You know, you could bang out a hundred pizzas very quickly yeah. with it.
1: They're so much easier to make than I think they look. Like you look at the iron and you're like, oh God, what do I what do yeah. I do? It's intimidating. Trust me. It's yeah. it's easy, easy, easy. Yeah, you'll see in the make.
0: whole like you'll see in the homemade Italian uh different Facebook groups, everybody will show their pizza stash that they made and it'll be you know, like the size of this table, they yeah. they go nuts.
1: And you, the thing that's good about the pizza is that you can you can make them a different flavor. Like we add yeah. anise extract to ours, um, but you can add lemon, you can add orange, you could really make them any flavor that you'd want. That's right. Mm-hmm. Another one that I have to give a mention to are I call them shortbread cookies. It was my grandma's. Recipe.
0: Those are sugar cookies. They're not; those aren't yeah. real short. Real no, shortbread is is much more buttery. It's buttery. Yeah. yeah.
1: So these, but she always called them that. I
0: would call them if we put you. Could, we could put that recipe on the site. I would just call it sh- sugar cookies because you yeah. you're glazing them anyway.
1: I need to tweak her recipe yeah. because her recipe, as it was written, um, and my grandma was one hundred percent Italian, but at at the time, this was probably I don't know in the fifties or sixties when she. Started making these cookies way before my time. Um, she wrote the recipe to include margarine. Mm. I tried making them with butter, and it was the dough was very hard to work with. So i I would have to really tweak and change her recipe if we were ever going to put it up on the site. But the reason I wanted to mention it is because it, you know they're like those cutout cookies. You can use any cookie cutter you want, and then you decorate them with. A little bit of a glaze but um i still have her rolling pin which yeah. is one of the heirlooms i guess <laughs> that we have in our family it's it was her rolling pin she used it to make these cookies so i like to make it yeah. when i make them and we'll pass the rolling pin on to, to sammy or james
0: that's an old school rolling pin it basically tapers on each end it's actually i believe a french style That rolling pin has rolled a lot of, made a lot of cookies.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I used it on Thanksgiving to make our dinner rolls.
0: We were discussing that the other day. Uh, My father doesn't really have anything that his father left him, like an heirloom. So I doubt my father will have anything to leave me like that. I mean, he actually, believe it or not... Left me this <laughs> yeah. s- Columbia sweatshirt, and he didn't leave it for me. I bought this for him fifteen years ago, and he never wore the thing. So when I was helping him move, it was brand new. It had the tags on it. I said, "Dad, I'm taking it back." <laughs> I said, "The statute of limitations has expired." You know, I get you a gift you don't wear it for fifteen years, so I've been making a lot of use out of it.
1: Yeah, not not quite the heirloom you'd think of. You know, it's not. Well, a- it's cold in here, it's so it's not it, a pocket nice. watch. No. Or, uh, I don't know. What are some other heirlooms?
0: <laughs> I guess, like, uh, yeah, like a pocket watch, uh, a, a ring, a, a ring, a brooch, a knife. Oh, my dad did give me a buck knife. That's did his he? buck knife. Yeah. So I do have that. Nice. That was the buck knife he had in Vietnam. So, yeah. That's so that, pretty that, cool. That, that I didn't good, know that that's, you know, and he's got some more stuff from that. Uh, you know, my dad's a veteran and he, uh, it's so funny, like, talking about veteran stuff. Um, Veterans Day just passed, and we always kind of joke about my mother on Veterans Day, right, Tara? What does my mother do?
1: Well, she, like... She, she, God, hold on a second.
0: This is hysterical. And honestly, what she, Tara's going to say, it pro, you probably have family members that do the same thing here.
1: She likes to go get the free lunches and dinners. To There's restaurants around here that serve free lunches to veterans so i think they usually go to a few different places we joke like we're day. like
0: like my dad came over like the during veteran i think it was veterans day or the day before i said i said are you uh <laughs> you're gonna be able to make it you know because mom's gonna take you to six restaurants today <laughs> <laughs> But it's only like the, it's like the corporatized chain restaurants. Yeah, like carabas, I think yeah, it's one of them. or like Applebee's, Applebee's Chili's. Yeah. Uh, what, what's that one? The Green Turtle they've been going to lately?
1: I do want to mention that I think one of the reasons why I love Christmas cookies so much is first of all, my mom would always make Christmas cookies and stuff with us when we were kids. But the other thing that happened a little bit later in my life was Every Christmas Eve, my dad is one of four brothers. Um, We would go to one of their houses for Christmas Eve and it would be just the best time ever. I'd be with my cousins and it would just be great. One of my aunts, my aunt Elena, she was married to my dad's brother, George, who's um, now passed on. He passed, uh, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago. Um, She used to make... I want to say like 20 different types of cookies yeah. every year for Christmas. And she would make a basket for each one of her nieces and nephews to take back with them. And the basket would be loaded with all of the different types yeah. of cookies she made. She would make lemon cookies. She She's Greek, so she would also make baklava she would oh, make baklava.
0: Yeah. I always forget about that. That's homemade, one of my That's not a cookie homemade baklava. Yeah, no, it's not, but she would include it. One of my favorite it. things.
1: She would include it yeah. in, in that um there was like the seven layer bars she would make. Oh, those
0: are incredible too. Yeah.
1: Just outrageous delicious cookies and I looked forward oh, I always man. I always love Christmas Eve, but I used to look forward to Christmas Eve especially because I knew that I was going to come home with a basket of Aunt Elena's
0: cookies. I wish we had more time. I, meaning, because of the the demands we place on ourselves, we put out one cooking video a week. We put out two to three recipes on the site. It's just we're gonna film this week. We're gonna film on Wednesday. I'm gonna do a prime rib because I want to get a prime rib out for you before Christmas because I know you're probably gonna want to make a prime rib. But we only have like realistically a cup two weeks to make all these cookies and to photo them, shoot them, yeah. write the recipes, publish them. So, you know, you just mentioned those seven layer bars. I That wasn't even on my radar because mm-hmm. I forgot about them. Yeah. And those are incredible. She used to put yeah. she put raspberry uh, jam in them. No, not in those.
1: It was in something else okay. too. I don't know. Everything she made. Annalena, I don't know if you're listening or watching. If you are, I so appreciate you and all the effort you always put in yeah, she to put the cookies. Just out a of the world.
0: Of, a ton of effort went into that.
1: All right, so let's talk about some of the cookies that we do like. One of them, which is kind of newer to me, is cuccidati.
0: daddy. Okay, so, yeah, I've always known about these. I have had them occasionally when I was young. Like, a relative would bring them over from the bakery. They never brought, they never made them. So, like, they weren't made in our family. My mother never made them. You know, my mother's Sicilian. She you know there's a lot of sicilian food that she's never made or had never n- no desire to make this is one of them she my mom made a lot of cookies but and my grandmother but cuccidati was never on the radar and i think when you look at these cookies they look intimidating
1: they do but they're pretty easy
0: but they're super easy
1: they're loaded with a filling of fig chocolate Orange zest, candied orange, nuts, nuts, just a whole bunch of different ingredients. Raisins, I think, are in there.
0: Almost like like an amoro, like uh, like the fill, like like that taste. That's yeah. like kind of what the filling is. Yeah,
1: you kind of have to form it into a log, and then you roll it around a cookie, and then the cookie gets baked, and you gets dipped in glaze, and then it gets sliced. So yeah. it's almost like um like an upscale fig Newton.
0: That's what it is. It uh, believe it or not, I think a fig Newton that's the corporate fig newton was when it was imagined was copying the sicilian cookie cocciadidi and making it for every the masses mm-hmm. i almost positive
1: next on the list of of favorites lemon ricotta cookies or oh, can yeah. you re- can you repronounce it because people don't like the way i say ricotta
0: <laughs> lemon ricotta cookies <laughs> yeah that doesn't sound too good either.
1: And they're delicious. Those have great lemon flavor. They're nice and light because of the ricotta. And they're dipped in a glaze.
0: Very simple to make, delicious, and they last a long time. Mm-hmm. And they, always, they, they, they stay soft the whole time, too.
1: Yeah, yep.
0: By the way, I just want to give you a little uh, little tip quickly, Just and then we'll go right back to this. To keep cookies soft, so to keep your chocolate chip cookies soft, how do you do it, Tara?
1: You take a piece of crust from a loaf of bread and you That's store right. it with your cookies. Yep. And the bread will absorb the moisture.
0: It will impart moisture. So basically it's oh, acting okay. like a humidifier. That's right. So what you're doing is, you know, if if you know how if you have cigar if you have cigars or if you have maybe if your your husband, you know, your boyfriend is into cigars. There's a humidor, and they'll just put distilled water in in a humidifier.
1: Ladies can be into cigars. My mom is going to beat you for that one. You know what?
0: You are right. I am sorry if I insulted you, and you're a lady, and you're into cigars. My
1: mom likes cigars. Yeah.
0: I am sorry. Sorry, Linda. (laughs) But anyway, that's what essentially what you're doing is you're putting bread in there, and once that bread gets really hard, just put a new piece of bread in there and remove Mm -hmm. the hard one, and it will continue to slowly let moisture go to keep your cookies Moist, and you could put uh line your cookies. Put them in your in your uh, cookie tin, but before you do that, put parchment paper there. So basically, what that'll do is it will make an impenetrable layer there. So your cookies, you know, your cookies could mold. You can't you can't like leave your cookies in there with like a pound of bread for for two weeks. It, you'll you'll have mold then. You know, they'll be moist, but it'll be mold. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's like it's like a fine line what you're going to do. But if you don't do that, you're going to have rock hard cookies and Though Tara likes rock-hard cookies, you might not. Just chocolate chip cookies.
1: I don't want my lemon ricotta cookies to be rock-hard. Speaking of cookies that shouldn't be hard, rainbow cookies.
0: They shouldn't be hard, and they are not necessarily hard to make, but time-consuming.
1: Yes. When I said hard, I meant texturally.
0: Oh, no. I know that's what you meant. I was trying to do a play on words there because I'm intelligent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was my that was my attempt to, to play on words, but okay. Tara can't keep up with me. That's the issue. Sure. Okay. Well anyway, they are a little hard or I should say difficult. difficult. Time consuming. Time consuming. Yeah. I mean you're making three cakes that are different colors. Mm-hmm. And then, what does it, get a chocolate layer? They get stacked with a chocolate layer between each. There's also jelly no, in there, too. No, there's jam
1: in between the layers. Jam. And then there's chocolate on the outside.
0: Are each of the colors, are they flavored with a different ingredient?
1: No. And I believe that they're colored to represent the Italian flag. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean it's like yeah. pink, yellow, and, and green. Yeah. But it's really supposed to be like...
0: White. Red, but, white. Yeah, but you're not kind of... Yeah. So I've never been that big of a fan of them. Have you been a big fan of them?
1: I like them from some places. From other places, I don't think they're that good. So it really depends on the bakery that I'm getting it from.
0: We're trying to just do cookies for you today, not because there's so much more here. Are we going to do an episode on cakes, Tara, or not? Christmas cakes? Yeah, I mean, like, there's so much well, more to we're cover We're kind here. of, like,
1: out of time. We're out of we, time. You know, right. we want to have a video, we want to have a podcast episode about the seven fishes, and yeah. we want to have one about Christmas, what to serve on Christmas Day, so.
0: The cakes and trying to, I don't, we're going to run out of time here, because as Tara said, seven fishes, some other stuff for the holidays. I mean, there's so much more to an Italian bakery. I think we're going to get into just the Italian bakery in general when we talk about the bad stuff, right?
1: Yeah. And I think the reason why we're talking about cookies is because cookies really are the star of the show when it comes to Christmas. It's more about cookies than it is about any other type of dessert, in my opinion. You're right. Yeah. I did have one cookie item on here that I did want to mention because you can get it in a bakery, and that's struffoli. Ooh, struffoli. Struffoli. Honey
0: balls. It's a good amount of work. You're making little balls. The smaller you can make the balls, the better. If you look at the one on our site, you can see how I got a little frustrated and I started to make the balls a little too big, but you probably want to do them about half of that. You don't want the Strufle balls to be soft. They're actually hard.
1: Well, they're not hard, but they're more like Firm. crispy on the outside. Yeah. The inside should be chewy. Yeah. But those are really good. And those are big around Christmas and also around Easter.
0: We have more that we like before we get into the bad. What are they, All right, Tara? So
1: I'm just going to rattle these yeah. off. And then you tell me if anything jumps yeah. out at you. But some of these are some of my favorites. Linzer cookies, Pignoli cookies, snowball cookies, which are the walnut cookies, chocolate peanut butter cookies, biscotti, and oatmeal raisin cookies. Those, those are, are the ones on my list.
0: So those are all amazing. There was this horrible list before by this by this site called Delish. It said 17 Christmas cookies that stink or something, and they had a bunch of them on there. The person who wrote that, you need to go back to cookie school because a snowball cookie is one of the best cookies, and they're really easy to make.
1: They are really But they easy. are
0: delicious. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, she's trying to make a list of 17. It's... She missed the real bad one that we're going to mention in a minute.
1: Do you have any, anything you want to comment on, on the ones that I just mentioned?
0: Yeah, so Linzer, Linzer cookies or Linzer tarts are so good, easy to make. You just are making whatever shape you want. You're making two of them, and you're cutting a little hole into them. You're spreading your jam. Use an, a good jam. And you're just putting it back on your cover on, so the jam oozes through that little hole you made. So maybe you have a star shape. Maybe you have. What are some of the other shapes that we do? A
1: heart, a star, a yeah. snowflake.
0: Yeah, and then uh, you do powdered sugar on top. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay tarts last a long time as well. They kind of actually, believe it or not, when you make them, the cookies are a little crisp, and mm-hmm. you're you're going to wonder to yourself oh, did I screw them up? But once you put the jam, you spray the jam on them, yeah, then they softens. start softening up again. So you're adding the moisture back to them. That's right. This is all stuff that will come with experience the more you bake, the more cookies you make. And the cookie baking and experience is very different than, a, than being a home cook experience. Because think about it this way. If you had as much time put into being a baker as you do to cooking dinner for you and your family, you would be a house. You would be massive. You know, you couldn't do it. So now when you work at a bakery, it's a different story. You're not eating all your product, but if you were just home, just baking all the time, you know, you'd be 400 pounds. Let's
1: talk about the ones that we don't like.
0: This is what you're here for. Mm -hmm. Since I'm the one who came up with it, I'm the one who gets to share that one. What? So can I? Can Go you ahead. hold that? One or, I
1: don't lay claim to any of these.
0: All right. Well, you do your. You do one you don't like first.
1: I don't like the lace cookies. They're also known as Florentine cookies. I think they're very boring.
0: I agree with you there. They look nice, but
1: I just think that they're very boring, and I have never really had one that I thought was really what's that good. What's the ingredient in them? Molasses. I don't even know. Okay. Oh, you just made me think of a cookie I forgot to mention what? that I
0: really love. What? Gingerbread cookies. Oh yeah, gingerbread cookies are are great. That I was another
1: what, one that my aunt would
0: make. And that was another one on the list of that person who said, said 17 ones that suck.
1: No, gingerbreads yeah. are so good.
0: I agree with you on the lace cookies or the Florentine cookies mm-hmm. as they're called.
1: Yeah, I don't need
0: to have those. You know, when you say Florentine, Americans just think of spinach. So that doesn't yeah. help either.
1: Every time I see a cookie platter and I see those, I I have one. <laughs> thinking it's going to be the one. They trick you. And it's never
0: good. Well, that means that that's just a cookie that you don't like. And I'll tell you the one that I'm going to say now that is probably, and I know you're going to agree with me too. I, I know you will. I wanted to find the name of these because I was like, they have to have a name, but they don't. They're called Italian butter cookies or Italian sandwich cookies. If you live in the New York area, vicinity, and you have bakeries, Italian bakeries near you, you will no doubt know these cookies. If you have a crazy Uncle Bob or whoever else, they will often bring you a huge plastic wrapped package of these not-so-good cookies.
1: I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I, for most of my life, never liked these cookies. And I was too ashamed to admit it because I thought people would think I'm crazy
0: because I feel like people are
1: like, oh, I got to bring the Italian cookies. And I was always like, nah.
0: You know why? Not good. You know why people bring a bunch of those and they don't bring a bunch of Pignoli cookies? By the way, that that person had Pignoli cookies on the list too. You know what? I'm sorry. I don't like to trash people, but- I mean, give me a break. Uh, now um, everything's coming to me as I'm saying it. Yeah, she had she had pignoli cookies on there too. Pinoli cookies are delicious. They're absolutely amazing. But yeah, the reason why that package that Uncle Bob or whoever brings is mostly loaded with the butter cookies is because those are super cheap for the bakery to make.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So they do. You know, they're always like those are like the ones you get as a gift. You're like, oh, yeah. thanks, I got a gift of of these butter cookies. So
1: they're, this just so folks listening, they're the sandwich cookie. It's basically a, f- a layer of jam in between the two
0: butter cookies that butter look like shells cookies. almost. Yeah. yeah,
1: and then half of it might it kinda be It kind of looks dipped. like a lady
0: finger with more texture on yeah. it.
1: Yeah, half of it is dipped in some kind of chocolate and then maybe has sprinkles on it. Sprinkles. There's also the leaf
0: cookies, which taste the same, but are equally not good. Yep. The leaf cookies are another variation on it. They stink too. And listen, (laughs) if you disagree with me, leave a comment, be like, Jim, you're, I'm never listening to your podcast again. I'm just leaving this one comment to tell you that how wrong you and Tara are, but I don't think that's the case. I think you probably will agree with me. Do you want to continue and talk more about the cookie, the butter cookies or uh, anything else? Yeah. I mean, just so people know, I mean, I think we thoroughly described what they are, but you know, if maybe if you're not from this part of the country, you might not know what we're talking about. Just Google them then. Mm -hmm. I I, I almost feel like do we have, are we going to put one of these on our site? I don't want to.
1: No, I have no plans to. I don't like them.
0: Yeah. You also don't like sugar cookies. Okay, so sugar cookies are way better than those Italian butter or sandwich cookies. They're just, for me, they're not, you know, I I get, you know what sugar cookies are really good for? They're good to make with your kids because Mm -hmm. they get to decorate them. That, I think that's really nice.
1: Yeah. I, I enjoy the taste too.
0: Well, let's go into whatever, the other ones we don't like.
1: What about, and I don't dislike these, but I just don't need to eat them. What about the Danish... Cookies
0: that come in the tin. Oh, I, d- I do like those. Oh, you do? Yeah. I mean, they're kind of a nostalgia thing for me. My grandmother always had, it's one of those blue tins. Yeah. If you...
1: My great grandma used to have those. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you know what we're describing here. I don't forget the name of them. They're in
1: different shapes. There's like some, like some are shaped like a pretzel. Yep. Some are shaped like a little rectangle. And
0: yeah.
1: they have like a light dusting of sugar crystals Crystallized sugar. Them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I don't know. There's something about them I like. I get
1: it. There is a nostalgia to them for me too, but I would never buy them for myself or I wouldn't like put them out.
0: Uh, I actually associate those Danish cookies with like panettone. You know, when somebody would bring you a fruitcake. Mm -hmm. So they bring that to your house, they bring those and it's almost like, and also remember those like little candies that were in the wrappers that like, like my grandmother always had them the in like- stra- They
1: look like strawberries. Yeah, she always yeah. had them in
0: like one of those gla- uh, little glass bowls. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: My grandma used to, this is my dad's mom. She would keep, um, she had like a porcelain chicken. <laughs> like the top would come off and inside there would be M&Ms.
0: You, you know, it's funny. Like a lot of these things, you they're gone from your memory for like 30 years. Yeah,
1: you just unlock it. And I memory. just unlocked it now. <laughs> You did those I little haven't...
0: strawberry things that yeah. you would open up.
1: What about? Have you ever had these? And I, these were kind of big when we were in Minnesota. I had never had it before. I've never made it. It's called Christmas Crack, and it's made with saltine crackers. That's yeah. kind of got I don't know, like a sh- like a brown sugar type of filling on it. Maybe some chocolate, some nuts.
0: Yeah, I have no idea. Apparently, about people
1: it. love love this. Yeah, and I, I've never had
0: it. If you want us to make that, we will. We'll put that one on the site. It seems to be extremely popular. So, I mean, I, I'm sure that's good. It looks good.
1: Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't put that. On, I, I've never had it. So I can't put that on my list of things I like or don't like. But I'm just, I was just uh,
0: yeah. Thinking. I mean, we're trying to do some more, I, I guess you could say more popular things now. Like the episode that's coming out this week on YouTube is French onion meatballs, mm-hmm. which if somebody told me a year ago, Jim, you're going to be putting up French onion meatballs, uh, as a YouTube video, I've been like, what are you talking about? I just make, you know, Italian, Italian, American food, and that's it. Now we've been really entering and just expanding into so many other things. And I, I'm happy that the videos are doing well and and that people are watching them because it's really, it really has unlocked a lot for us. I I kind of felt that I was running out of the more well known Ita- Italian dishes, and then if I do start doing super obscure, you're not gonna want to watch it. So, but I know you probably will want to watch the French onion meatballs. They're delicious, like the sal- should... Salisbury steak. Not I was gonna say Salisbury, mm-hmm. the Salisbury steak. Was it's not exploded. You still said it wrong. I did.
1: It's Salisbury. Oh man, the amount of comments that you got
0: about. That one, and then... Uh,
1: About the pronunciation. And
0: then the uh, Coco Vaughn, which I know oh, I'm saying God. wrong again, but yeah. I'm not P- gonna... I think
1: more people comment on your mispronunciation of words than they do on your food. All right. Any other cookies that you don't like that you say are belong on the trash list, or it's if we're going to stick with our Christmas theme, they belong on the naughty list.
0: On the naughty list, I am going to try to jog my memory here, but... No, I mean, I can't, it's it's really those Italian butter cookies. And, you know, you if you go gym, you didn't have them in the right place. You're wrong. I've had, ba- I've had, I've, I've eaten those from about 200 Italian bakeries in my life. From Staten Island to Brooklyn to <laughs> out East Long Island, Westchester. It doesn't matter. They're, they're not good, <laughs> you know? I mean, period. They're not good. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this is funny. Like, all the bakeries making them, I think they're making them simply because they're cheap to make. Maybe. And they look good.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell us Prove if me you wrong. like them or if you don't like them. Anything else that you don't like?
0: No. What is there anything else that you have you don't like besides no. me? No. Okay. So we're going to go into questions. And since we started with a question, we're just going to do one question now. What is it, Tara?
1: Okay. Jim, this question comes from Kathy. Kathy says... With so much talk on artificial intelligence, I'm wondering if the use of AI in recipe development is a concern in the cookbook world, cookbook world specifically.
0: So in the cookbook world, Kathy, not as much of a concern as it is in the internet world. The internet world, you can make money quicker by, you know, somebody could, who's rather adept with these programs, could create Multiple copies of my site and much larger sites, and then monetize them on crappy ad networks, but still make money from it. As far as cookbooks go, normally a cook to get a cookbook to make money with it, the publisher will verify that you are actually have a following. So, right now, publishers really like to look if you have a good TikTok following, which we don't. We only have 20,000 followers on TikTok. I rarely post to it. Uh, but they'll, when we do a cookbook, and we are doing one now, they're they're going to be basing everything off of our YouTube following, which is at this time seven hundred and fifty thousand. So that one will be important to them. If you just use ChatGPT and you have no following, you can make his cookbook quickly. You could steal people's recipes, but then you're going to be in the self-publishing game. And in order to self-publish successfully, you again have to have a following because who are you going to peddle it to? You're not just going to stick it on Amazon and you know you'll be you'll be on page nine thousand on amazon amazon ranks stuff by sales you know so it has to sell quickly for it to start pushing up the listings. We thought about the self publishing self publishing would really work for us because of because we do have uh you know a, a sizable amount of people coming to our site and and to the youtube each each month but the publisher definitely gives some uh it gives more reach and I think more authority, I guess, when you have like a book published by, say, Simon & Schuster or what, what are some of the other big uh, publishers? Random House. Yeah,
1: Simon & Schuster was the one that I was thinking of. Yeah. Okay, so AI is not that much of a threat when it comes to cookbook. It seems like it's more of a threat when it comes to your online presence and our recipes getting Stolen and, yeah, and things I, like that.
0: I mean, right now there's a certain contingent of people that will not care if Jim Tower and the other 500 well-trafficked food blogs start losing their income. They're not going to care, and they'll just go right to ChatGPT or Google Bard or whatever, and it'll say, "They'll say, I have these eight ingredients in my refrigerator. Make me a recipe," and then they'll. The AI will come up with a recipe, and then they'll make it, and they'll bypass ever going to a site like ours. That's a large portion of people. A large, large portion of people hate food blogs. They often peddle the old trope that it's a woman talking about her day and taking the kids to soccer, and th- that's the past. No food blogs do that anymore. Everybody's trying to just provide good info, but those people will be more than happy to never go to you, your, you your, know, any site again. But then there's a whole lot of other people. And again, we're kind of like the modern, I guess, food blog because we do video so much. That's like our core. They'll be more than happy to come there. We get, you know, a sizable about 40 comments on the blog each day. People mostly asking questions for help about how to mm-hmm. make it.
1: Yeah. But a I have no pers- doubt,
0: Kathy, that ChatGPT is gonna hurt a lot of people. I think the people most at risk on the food in the on this is online again. The people most at risk are the food blogs that don't make video. They—they're not everything. They have now can be replaced very quickly, especially if they're a person that doesn't have a bio that's well fleshed out. Like if they're hiding behind a fake picture, and that's gonna—it's not, not going to be good for them. So. I think now more than more than at any time you have to be out there, whether it's on YouTube or TikTok, Instagram. Mm-hmm. You have to be making videos. You have to be putting yourself out there. You have to be open to criticism. We get a ton of people that leave bad comments every day, and I just kind of let them go. You know, let them go over here. But mm-hmm. th- that's 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 my long winded answer for that question. I'm mm-hmm. not worried about it. Okay. Yeah. If you're a true fan, if you're a true supporter, I think you'll come to the site. And if you're a true fan and true supporter. Leave a review of this podcast. Remember, questions and you would leave that review on Apple. Questions, comments, send them to podcast at sipandfeast.com. Anything you want to say, Tower, before we close this out? No, what us- do you what do you think about what I was just talking about? Everything like makes sense to you? Do you have a dis- different no, opinion?
1: I, I agree. I mean, I don't I don't see why it's really hard to put a cookbook together. I don't know why anybody would put one together. You using AI to
0: do that just yet. I Um, mean, people steal cookbooks cook, they steal blogs recipes all the time and they put them in like binders and sell them to their church group. And that's like, whatever, you know? That's different. People are gonna do it, you're gonna steal that, you're gonna steal that, but you're not gonna be able to have a best-selling cookbook if you don't have a following. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate the way the world works right now. Google right now in search results is showing how many followers you have on your biggest platform When you see a website now, they're basically telling people, oh, you shouldn't read this person because he he or she only has 10,000 followers versus, oh, look at this person. They got 6 million followers. Everything they say must be correct. And you know as well as I do, that's not always the case. There are people with 20 million followers on TikTok that are the biggest morons on the planet and should never be listened to for anything. So thanks for watching, and we will see you next time.